So welcome to the Feral House podcast. Uh, our guest today is artist and researcher Jack Roberts. What does Jack research? He researches Sheila Nagigs. Um, our book, Sheila Nagig, Sacred Celtic Images of Feminine Divinity, is written by Jack, and that is out now on our Process Media imprint. Hello, Jack. How are you? John Grant. And I'm talking to you today, I'm in the Midwest, in our uh, Midwest office, and you are where? I'm in Galway, often pronounced Galway, uh, I notice, amongst Americans, which isn't absolutely not, uh, it's, it's actually not wrong, <laughs> because in Irish, it's Gollum. Well, there's there's so many different accents in the states and, and mispronunciations. We tend to just uh, overwhelm people with our wrongness. Um, so, because this is uh, Sheila Nagigs are prevalent in Irish culture um, and maybe not so well known in American culture, can you tell us just a little bit what is a Sheila Nagig? Mm. Well, I suppose the uh, the general sort of way we describe them is that they're kind of um, symbolic images that are, that are of naked females and very bizarre. They're not um, they're not nice. They're they're let's say uh, dramatic or uh, extreme kind of. Um, depictions usually so it's actually um an image of a naked female exposing herself or you know yeah yeah that would be there's really no other way to say it it is um when you see them when you see and there's uh hundreds of images in jack's book um of historic uh, Sheila's uh, that he's discovered and as well as other people have discovered that he's been researching over the years. Now, where do you, do people find, where do you see a Sheila? Uh, well, unfortunately so many have ended up in museums. Um, so for me, the most, the research is really looking for ones that aren't in museums, that, that are still on churches, or you can connect to the church where they were, or the castle where they were, and get some kind of a, a background and maybe a clue to what it might have meant. You know? Now, it's interesting that you say that they're found on churches. That doesn't seem like a very traditional, my understanding of Catholicism, depiction of someone holy or church-like. How did Sheila's end up on churches? Well, therein lies the rub, as they say here. Um, basically, this is the thing about Sheila gigs. They're not like any of the other... There's hundreds of other goddess-like figurines, uh, fertility figures. But the Sheila gigs, uh, finding them on a church... Uh, suddenly you realise this is way out of context and this is, you know, that. so my research was really like delving into what the hell it's doing on a church because 
When I saw them on a castle, I wasn't that impressed in a way. Uh, but when I started to realize they were actually religious figures, uh, that's what sparked my interest, really. And um, the whole way that they end up on the churches in Ireland is specific to the kind of church that they end up on, which is that they end up on that they were put on churches dur during the period, which I call the Gaelic Celtic Church, which is pre-Roman, Protestant, and all the rest of it. And they're actually on churches that are built in the early Middle Ages or the late medieval period. And that is actually a time when the that Gaelic Celtic Church is is actually quite strong it's actually quite powerful and it dominates most of ireland except where the brits have taken over which is sort of later and the roman church comes in so there's they're kind of a dividing line between the roman church that's come in in the mid uh, mid first millennia and the Gaelic Celtic Church. And it's actually at the point where the Gaelic Celtic Church, it, I think it sort of has a power. It has a power, but it's fighting against the uh, the Roman Church. It's fighting to keep itself together, you know. Right, and the, I think that... Um, that many folks don't um, to, in in modern modern days don't realize that what we think of as Christianity was um, a varied understanding of the worship of this this uh, Christ-like figure, and um, it took a few millennia before it becomes more standardized into what we know today as kind of a, a Catholic and a Protestant. So tell me, Jack, a little bit, when you talk about the Gaelic church of that early Middle Ages period, what would be the difference, say, from someone's understanding of like what the Roman or Protestant church of today is? How, how would the Gaelic church be different in their either practice or worship or belief? Well, there, there were big differences in the beginning. Uh, uh, towards the end of the first millennia, you know, uh, 800 AD, that sort of area, you're getting real squabbles between the Roman church that has kind of set itself up uh, in the north of Ireland, actually. Armagh would be the centre of it. That's where Patrick's base, base was. And they're kind of fighting with the old Irish church over things like the days of Easter and uh, fundamental things like that. And one of the big things they fight over, and they never resolved, actually, which was um, married priests. So, like, there's a real sense of equality in that old Gaelic church. Uh, you see nuns' chapels and... Uh, well, the, the, actually, the um, the Roman Church wrote a lot about Ireland, actually, uh, and condemned it for years and years, centuries, actually, and kept describing how um, how they weren't really religious because the monks were fornicating all the time <laughs> and but they married, you know. So that never really ended in the Irish Church. And it was a time, though, in, in Catholic history that there were many, many schisms and um, where Rome was looking to consolidate its power as not just um, 
um, in spiritual sense, but also in temporal sense. And one of those elements was squashing down other um, flavors of Christianity, if you will. And so when we look at the that Sheila, does that become an expression of the Gaelic church or was that almost something that in defiance of Rome's imposition? I think what it was was that they were actually empowering the women. I think they were empowering those uh, women that were held very high in the old Irish church. Uh, so a lot of the Sheelan gigs are on churches that are that are named after women. They're known as foundations, uh, uh, foundations that were created by women, and they tried to stamp out. They tried to stamp them out in the end, in the in the seventeen eighteen hundreds. Um, so in Ireland, we only now have that memory of like Bridget and Mary and all these things, but there were originally a lot of female, what loosely you could call saints, but they weren't subsumed into the official saints list. They're, yeah, they're unofficial saints, and they are still big-time worship today. No. They are really, yeah, big time. Huh. Now, does this go back to, like, pre-Christian Irish culture where there was more of a sense of goddess worship than god worship? I mean, where the, the goddess figures, it was, the, the, I guess what I'm looking for is the, the from a pre-pagan time where it was more of a, um, a female matriarchal-oriented um, belief system versus a patriarchal? Well, yeah, it does, really. I mean, uh, but the thing about it is um, I I see less and less of that division between where we talk about the old Gaelic Celtic church and paganism, it's hard to know where to draw the line because the as a fellow scholar friend of mine, uh, Thomas Sheridan, wrote a book re uh, a couple of years ago called The Druid Code, and that book is actually about how those early uh, early monks, the early church, was actually created by druids. It was actually created by um, the you know the 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 bards and the you know that class of people. They were the people who were the first Christians in Ireland. So that's the foundation of the Gaelic Celtic Church. So it has that past going into druidism. It actually doesn't have a a pagan past. It's all one big flowing thing. Oh, wow. So how do the Sheilas um, relate to something? I mean, it seems so very Irish. Are the Sheilas found in other places in Europe? I mean, I'm, I'm immediately if you see a picture of a Sheila, you, you can think of the infamous uh, like Venus of Willendorf. Are those related images at all? Uh, it's hard to track about uh, Sheila's uh, back to that kind of really remote time. Uh, the problem with the Sheila gigs uh, and the sub the whole subject is kind of confused uh, with very similar images that appear on earlier churches in, in on the continent and in Britain. So I actually have a bit of a problem with the. English researchers who see them differently. And that's because they've lost their cultural context for them and see them as part of the church. 
So then there's this, and believe me, this is the official line, actually. Sheila the Giggs are on churches to warn us against sin and lust. They were put there by the early monks to warn all the other monks about fornication. Great idea, eh? <laughs> and that is because, <laughs> that's because these earlier models, but they're part of what we call Romanesque architecture. And the Romanesque period is a very strange period in Christian history. It starts uh, about the time when they're just starting to regain their power. And Christianity was nearly knocked out by the Moors. Uh, you know, Spain was taken over, you might remember. Right. I did. And, um, yeah, right. and all that kind of... So when, when after Charlemagne... Uh, uh, kind of regains the power of the Roman Church in Europe against the Moors. It's always worth remembering that this battle with the Moors has been going on for an awful long time, you know. It wasn't just Syria last week. And uh, so Charlemagne, after Charlemagne, the Church decides to go into a big building sort of um, frenzy. And they build, that's when they start building cathedrals all over Europe. And they... They just drag in all the artists, all the architects, all the craftsmen. Everybody ends up working on cathedrals and churches all over the place, and they're covered in carvings. They are beautiful things. These, uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. That Schwarzschild's cathedral, cathedral, or something, you know, they're fantastic. But um, what they're doing on a on a bigger scale is they're taking imagery to the people, so they're dragging people into the churches. One of the most famous Sheely gigs, um, which I mention a lot, is like if you look up Sheely gigs on the web, you'll probably get an image of the Sheely gig on Kilpeck Church in uh, Hertfordshire, which used to be Wales, now England, and that's a classic Romanesque church. And the Sheila gig there is a classic early Sheila prototype, one of the early female figures that are appearing at that time. But she's not alone. She's like part of a whole scheme of devils and angels and God knows what else carved all over that church. In fact, when you go there, you won't see it straight away. Whereas the Irish Sheila gigs are singular. You don't, you know, mostly the Sheila gig is the only thing on that church. Oh, it's interesting. So what does it, in the, how they were appropriated then for what you're talking about, that at post-Charlemagne, you know, frenzied church building, does it become then almost like a, a symbolic language of those gargoyles, griffins, and then the the Roman churches, including a Sheila, and in this pre-literate time when the most just common people weren't actually reading, did they communicate something to the people? Uh, it's hard to know, actually. Um, it, it's hard to know where it came from. Um, we think it might have come, a number of us researchers think that it came from this figure called the Bulbo, who was very popular in the Roman world. Because you've got to remember, we're talking about the Romanesque architecture. So they're, they're basically um, Roman. Mm. You know, the style is, was... It's the Roman architecture. It's the same architecture, the same architecture that built the cathedrals. That's the same architecture that built the uh, Parthenon and everything else in Rome. Right. You know, the same 
same same schemes, you know, with an addition of uh, they subsumed all kinds of other artisans. That's why they're so incredible and mixed. But they've uh, the Roman that Romanesque period dragged in Arabic artists and all kinds, of, you know, uh, to bolster it up. A bit like Hollywood, really, you know. <laughs> So if we then go back to um, focus on Ireland and the Sheilas in uh, the Irish, the Gaelic churches, so how did they look different from the ones that were appropriated for the more Romanesque architecture? And were they created by different types of artisans or makers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> there's a kind of a general thinking that the image was kind of um, brought into being by that Romanist period, and sort of like it. That Romanist period brought, um, let's say, uh, a more of an illustrative kind of art into Ireland. You know, you've got to think that Ireland doesn't have that much. Uh, representational art before the medieval period. Right. Uh, it's all symbolic. If you look at Celtic art, it's all swirling patterns. Look at the Book of Kells. There's nothing real in it. They're all inventions. You know, it's, it's all in the mind. And it's as if um, that Romanesque period brought that idea of producing things that, 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 that appeared, you know, that meant something in a pictorial form, I suppose, uh, which they didn't do before. The, before that, it was all in the mind. It was all handed down orally. People knew what was going on uh, between themselves. They didn't need to pictorially represent it. Well, that becomes a really interesting idea because there is um, a commonality of elements in the um, representation of a Sheila, does that become um, from part of that oral tradition of describing a, a Sheila, or is it um, craftsmen seeing one and then re reproducing it? I'm curious as to how that co that representation comes to be. Um, that representation is, a, yeah, it's a big question, really. But I think what it is is um, that they're images that were in the folklore and in the mythology. So the image comes out of the mythology about a person. I'll give you an example. Is um, the, one of the best Sheelan gigs around. Uh, is It's not that great. It's not that well preserved. You have to see it in a good light to see her in good features. But it's on a church near where I am, but in County Clare. And it's still over the doorway. To you, and it's really important that you get one like that. She's over the doorway. Um, it's the only door into the church. There's never been any other kind of door into that church. So it always was the door you pass through to go into that church. And you can't miss it. It's too big and it's right just over your head. It's like, yeah, it's there. So everybody, every single person ever walked in that church saw that figure over the doorway. And people like Mary Condren have like cited it as saying, well, this is the image of walking into the womb of the church up beneath this image. You know? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, so that straight away you've got a context when you've got one 
when you've got that figure sitting over the doorway. Uh, whereas if she's in a museum, it's all gone. Right. Yeah. Also, that church used to be, uh, she is one of the, um, it's no, the church is known as Killing a Boy, which comes from the, the name comes as the, the church, the kill of a saint called Inan Vuig. A very strange name. Uh, but Inan Vuig, uh, she has this pagan background. She's not a real, like, um, official saint. She's a, what we call a folk saint. So, uh, so she has a past that she's the daughter of a druid, and she set up this monastic centre there in Killing a Boy. There's still the stub of a round tower there. So when you go there, there's only a graveyard, the church, and the stub of a round tower. But it was once a, a very big monastic centre. And it's founded on a woman who's not even a saint. She's a druid's daughter. Yeah? <laughs> no, is it? Wow. That, that, that is, <laughs> Is she someone that's still like kind of recognized in that area today and and revered in any way? Uh, not as much as she used to be. When Edith Guest, an early researcher, um, one of the early researchers who sort of got the research on Sheenigans together a little bit, was Edith Guest in the third twenties and thirties. And when she went there, it was very thriving. And on her feast day, which isn't far from now, near Paddy's Day, actually, um, they, uh, there were loads of people there, and it was a big thing. And when she asked the people about the image above the door, they, di they didn't say it was a Sheila the gig. They said it was an image of the saint. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's fascinating. That's yeah, yeah now, there you go. Wow. And, you know, it all changes, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it yeah, it does. Now, I, I'm going to um, interrupt uh, our conversation for just a moment and speak to uh, folks might, who might be listening. Um, all of these types of stories and Jack's very thorough research is included in his book, Sheila Nagig, Sacred Celtic Images of Feminine Divinity. Um, that book is available now. Um, and you can get that at your independent bookstore or your favorite online vendor. Um, if you have any interest at all in um, early church history, pagan-ish, druidish history, goddess culture, sculpture, architecture, I mean, it really crosses over um, a lot of areas of interest. I would challenge everybody to, to maybe um, pick this one up and learn a little bit more about Sheila gigs. Jack, do you have any um, hints for people who might be coming to Ireland in maybe this coming summer? It's a very popular tourist place for Americans to visit um, that you might suggest folks visit to see um, a really good example of a Sheila? I just said one. Uh, which, <laughs> I mean, the thing about this uh, one at uh, Killing a Boy, this one I've been talking about, is that it's actually not far from the Cliffs of Moher, which so many people like to go and visit. I'm always, uh, we have a little craft shop, a uh, bunch of us, uh, in a place called Kinvara, which is also on the way to the Cliffs of Moher. And I'm always sending people to this church. 
because uh, it's um, it's a real core, it's a real deal, you know. It's a real old Irish church. It's the yeah, and it and the thing is, you're not you're not on like Protestant or Catholic land. When on, when you go to that church, you're actually a, a, a church that's owned by the council. It's not run by the Protestants or the Catholics. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, you can still get buried there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, very odd situations there. Well, definitely, I'll put up links when we, when we um, when listeners are hearing this podcast, if you go to the podcast website, uh, you will have links that will show you um, this specific site um, and the shop that Jack mentions, as well as um, maybe a few more images of Sheila's that have uh, are included in Jack's book. Jack, any final words for listeners today? Um, well, final words. Um, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be happy if people do look at this. The, the Sheila gigs. I mean, the Sheila gigs really do open up the whole big question about uh, Christianity, Irish culture, and they're a big thing for feminism. You know, a lot of feminists have. Um, honed in on them, let's say. But I'm just trying to give a background that gives him more bite. You know, it's it's got there's a reality. You know, there's a reality that yeah, Ireland used to be well it still is, very feminine oriented, you know, and yeah, goddess is a woman. Yes, absolutely. Um, Jack, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to call in today. Um, uh, I appreciate it. I know our uh, listeners sure do, learning more about Sheila Giggs. Um, and so you have a great day, and thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hey, fiends. Thanks for listening to the Feral House podcast. We do this about once a month, talking to Feral House and Process Media writers, as well as members of the extended Feral family. You're part of the family. Let us know if you have any questions or if you have an idea of someone we should talk to. You can send me a note at press at feralhouse.com. P-R-E-S-S at feralhouse.com.